uh, the Beatles, the ultimate Justin Bieber cover band. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Blind Tiger Podcast, your one-stop shop for beer news, reviews, and all things brews. I am your host, a man who envies the amount of technology that the Japanese are investing in their toilets, Rob Fisher. With me, as always, is the man who honors the Albright House with his exceptional homebrewing, Mike Albright. And of course, the man whose audio skills can make my version of a silent orchestra sound like a beautiful opera, the man far, far too handsome for kabuki theater, Jesse Clark. Today is January 13th, 2015, and we're recording episode 46, Domo Erigato. For more information on any of the segments from today's show, visit our website at www.blindtigerpodcast.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or subscribe to the show on iTunes. And for those of you who enjoy listening to the podcast via Stitcher, we are now there as well. We provide near-daily news, reviews, and just about anything involving brews. Don't miss out, and subscribe today. This week, Mike and myself have bowed to the will of Jesse, who seems to want to use the podcast as an excuse for us to deliver him beer and fine foods. <laughs> this week, we honor the land of the rising sun by dedicating our favorite segment to sushi and beer. It is in the spirit of our neighbors from the Far East, who are really to our West, who have an impressive longevity, that our opening question this week is, if you were to drink a beer on your 100th birthday, what would it be? So, Mike, why don't you take it away? Uh, where the hell was it? All right. My choice is Bell's Two Hearterdale, as it was one of the first delicious beers to grace my lips. And should I live to be 100, I would like to make it one of the last. I chose this beer that perfectly fits helping me celebrate my centennial because it is made exclusively with centennial hops. Uh, yes, it is the beer that I am fondly nostalgic for, which will be handy as my beer-addled brain will have a hard time re- Remembering who any of you are. <laughs> also, it, it is called Two Hearted, and should I keep my bacon habit up, I too will be on my second or possibly third heart as well. And maybe fourth liver, but one organ at a time. Of course, with the way beer marquees are getting crowded out nowadays and the advances in technology, I can only hope to recreate the taste of Two Hearted on my Apple Hollow Simulcron. <laughs> when I ask my grandkids if they, will still, if they still make Two Hearted in the year 2085, they will shake their heads and ask me if I would like any McLaughlin's brain and nerve tonic as well. <laughs> While watching Back to the Future Part 17. Oh, <laughs> Part 17. Uh, how many Star Wars will be out by then? <laughs> 25, 26, something like that. Uh, it used to be a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, but now we've caught up to the current period. <laughs> well, maybe they'll go like, they have to go even farther with prequels. They'll go be like BC or something like that. Oh, yeah. They, like, they have to go like in negative numbers. Well, what like, did the video games go back to a thousand years? Yeah, they were long uh, before the actual movie. So BBY. <laughs> I, I like the idea of the Star Wars uh, movies catching up to like, say, like Greek culture, where they the battle for the empire is being raged while the Greeks uh, are uh, founding the Republic or whatever. I think that'd be uh, really hilarious that that's like in our time period there were like space battles, but then they all disappear by the time we got hmm. technology enough to know that they were going on. Just missed. Well, Bell's is a fantastic choice. Um, that was rated, I think, last year's uh, Beer of the Year by uh, oh. Beer Advocate. Beer um, of the Year. Yeah. I didn't think, you know, I, by uh, Rear Raiden from Beer Advocate magazine or whatever. So, yeah. Nice. It was still that popular, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. I think it's a People solid beer, beer, but I never was like, I never, it never knocked my socks off. I know it was, I can take, it's a solid beer, but I just never, Yeah, I, I mean, know. I think the secret is, is that it's got wide availability. So, most of the readers of Beer Advocate and fans of Beer Advocate, um, <laughs> 
know it enough to say this is a great beer to send it up as their as their option. Whereas in uh, less popular markets, you know, you're going to be very uh, dry for thirst. So maybe like, obviously, Hetty Topper is not going to have national appeal from everyone. No one has had it. So right. are you going to rank that as your favorite beer if you've never drank it? Probably not. That but Bell's true. Hearted, Two Hearted has been around and it's a great beer. And there's a lot of Bell's lovers out there. Indeed. Indeed. Can I point out that, so Kabuki Theater, did you know that they wear masks in Kabuki Theater? So to uh-huh. say I'm too handsome yes. for Kabuki Theater really isn't saying much. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I can slide an insult now and again. That's sir. a bit of a backhand. Now and again. <laughs> Trust that the guy who teaches world music will know this. And, uh, <laughs> Good. I'm glad that you picked up on it. <laughs> If one actually said Bunraku, this is they actually uh, they they were um, uh, there was only one guy that's it's a it's a puppet theater actually and the puppets are like two thirds the size of a normal person yeah. and uh, so there's one old guy who actually operates the puppet but then there requires two other guys who are completely done in black sheets entirely so you don't even see any of them they don't even wear a mask of just black sheet who are uh, helping the, uh, the 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 big puppet you know oh, I think I've seen that before it's very interesting huh. I love the Assistance in Total Black. I saw a a uh, YouTube video of uh, Japanese performers doing bullet time ping pong. Oh yes, uh, with a bunch of cool. interesting men. So basically, it looked like they were going in slow motion with the ball, but it was really like there was a guy dressed in all black holding the ball, and then there were guys that would come out and like pick up the players to make it look like it was exciting bullet time as the camera shot around them. So like it would look like they're playing ping pong, but then the camera would tilt because guys would run out and literally grab the players to tilt them towards the audience, and then they would other guys would grab the table and tilt them towards the audience, and the guy with the ping pong would make it look like it's bouncing vertically, you know, like oh. impossibly to yeah, make it look like the camera angle has changed when it wasn't that there was no camera angle it was just that assistants were grabbing the guys and moving around it was awesome looking yes. um, am I too handsome for that uh, <laughs> yes you're too handsome to be one of the guys donned completely in black absolutely <laughs> speaking of that video whatever happened to college humor <laughs> I feel like that's where I saw that um, that didn't everybody go to Funny or Die? Wasn't it like Will Ferrell's like, side project that ended up being bigger than them? Oh, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I mean, College Humor, I guess, is still a thing, but uh, I feel like Funny or Die is where I always see all the stuff because they have the celebrity connection. Hmm. So anyway, Jesse, tell us about your so, centennial beer. Yeah, I decided to move to Japan as it has the highest life expectancy of any country, and if I were to drink a beer on my 100th birthday, what would it be? I would perform a coup de grace on myself by drinking a Hemlock Double IPA. Hmm. By Big Choice Brewing. And uh, in, in the words of Socrates, I pray to the gods that my sojourn on earth will continue happy beyond the grave. This is my prayer and may it come to pass. But then I was thinking of other people who are facing death. And to, to be or not to be, that is the question whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of an outrageous fortune here, the short life in the United States, or to take arms across a sea of endless life in Japan. And by posing... End them, to die, to drink beer, to sleep, no more, and by sleep to say we end the hangovers and the thousand headaches that flesh is heir to. Tis a consummation devoutly to be wished, to die, to drink beer, to sleep, to sleep, penchants to dream of beer, aye, there's the brew. For the <laughs> for in the bottom of that pint of death what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil. Must give us pause. There's the respect that makes calamity of so long life. I am dead, Horatio. Horatio, I am dead. I would kill myself for sure. I don't want to live to be 100. Did you get that poem from the Leonard Nimoy book of poetry? <laughs> no, but I'm sure he has one that's, that would uh, suffice for this. No, oh, okay. That, you know that it's Hamlet, right? Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's some some Bill Shakespeare there. Was that another uh, '80s movie I had? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do believe they probably <laughs> made an '80s version of Hamlet. Starring, uh, starring, actually, yeah, uh, there was a uh, Mel Gibson. There was one. Uh, yeah, uh, in the uh, 80s, yeah. Oh God, I've not seen that. Nor do I think I want to watch Mel Gibson <laughs> pretend to do Shakespeare. That was pretend my, to do Shakespeare. That was yeah. That was my first uh, exposure to Shakespeare. Was watching Mel Gibson do it when I was like barely pubescent. Tennis and drama kiss with with. Sons of Lambs guy. Um, oh, yeah. Sir Anthony Hopkins mm. is amazing because they took it and they did it in modern times with all the original um, old English. And it's oh, it's awesome. Uh, much better than the Romeo and Juliet from our high school days. Oh, oh yeah. Better than Caprio. I still enjoyed uh, Merchant Pretty of Venice well. with Keanu Reeves. Ah, I don't think I've seen that either. Man, I, I got to catch up what on my... What did he play? Uh, the main guy. If they prick us, do we not get bummed? <laughs> <laughs> if they poison us, do we not blow chunks? <laughs> Hey, you check that out. It's a good one. I just want to make fun of him all day long. <laughs> well, for me, it turns out that when it comes to the randomness of gen- genetics, I personally am dangerously playing the odds. The maternal side of my family, on average, has li- lived long and healthy lives with clear heads and only a minor descent into madness, though I blame more of the madness on their constant viewing of Fox News than their genetics. The likelihood of my mother's father enjoying an ice-cold Molson on his Mm -hmm. 100th birthday is quite high, assuming Molson is still around. Mm. Yet the paternal branch of the family tree, however, drops like flies quickly after 60 years of age. My father, health-obsessed as he was, was felled last year by a particularly nasty variety of cancer and was one of the oldest of his family, with my sister and I being almost the only ones left on that side of the family. If I make it to the ripe old age of 100, there is one thing that I will want for my birthday— cake and not just any cake mexican cake from westbrook brewing company this imperial stout comes in at a 10.5 percent abv and is delicious it tastes quite like bready sweet cake with a nice spicy kick that makes you think of our southern neighbors cooking we are lucky enough to get a sample of this for emily and jesse's combined birthday party and it was a great beer to share with friends in celebration the flavor and potent abv would get me through the longest feeling birthday of my life beer news so, Mike, take us away with a little regional news. A little regional slash note local news. Um, make way for Zero Day. So, several months ago, we mentioned some soon-to-be opening breweries, and among them were Alter Ego Brewing Company that was set to open in Harrisburg. So, Alter Ego is still uh, coming soon, but with some changes. For starters, they have rebranded as Zero Day Brewing Company. Despite using the name Alter Ego for several years, as they gained a cult following with their homebrew, when they went to trademark the name, it was found that someone had beat them to the punch. Wary of today's beer trademark infringement headaches, they decided to rebrand now before they opened. They have chosen the name Zero Day. Uh, speaking of which, Zero Day for opening is fast approaching. Originally slated for opening the, uh, last fall, the improvements to the brewery and taproom, which is located after the Midtown Cinema, are humming right along with indications that they should be open soon. If you check, us out, check out their Instagram, their uh, bar and everything is pretty much completed, and they're just kind of getting the uh, putting the final touches on. Uh, like most of the fixtures and licenses are in place and though no formal announcement has been made as of now I expect one should be coming shortly any day now so it looks to be a pretty cool spot uh, we were actually uh, you and me uh, Rob were at, up at the the farm show uh, and we were talking about getting a beer but we really didn't know where to go that was relatively close like we wanted to go to Pizza Boy but that's still a bit of a trek Yeah. so this place would be uh, probably the closest uh, brewery then Sounds awesome to me, man. Have you been to the Midtown Cinema at all? Either no. Of you? no, no, okay. Can't say that I have. I've heard good things about it, so. Well, I'm excited to check them out. I mean, I definitely will uh, make a venture up there. We've gone farther places for good beer, and I'm always 
curious about new stuff. It'll, I always enjoy all these new places opening because the uh, the real rub is what makes you unique. What's the different? What's the the the, the slight little thing that makes you uh, different than anything else? And I'm curious to see what they're bringing. That's uh, that's slightly some different because these days with the oversaturate, well, maybe not the oversaturation, but the saturation of the market at least, uh, you got to do something at least mildly different to really stand out amongst everybody else, whether it be phenomenal beer like Columbia kind of works the same office or if it's just going for a different theme so I'm yeah. curious to see what they're doing well I mean I think Harrisburg really needs it uh, there's really not too many breweries I think opening directly in the city for one yeah. and uh, Dolphin Kelly's County still lags far behind Lancaster as far as number of breweries so there's still I think uh, room for growth there well, Harrisburg has a huge problem of after five o'clock, like the place is a ghost town. Yeah. Um, Wilmington, Delaware, in a lot of ways, is very similar where nobody really wants to be downtown, downtown. Um, so they do have a couple of venues and movie theaters and stuff that people might go to see. But for the large part, it feels like this massive city during the day mm-hmm. is just abandoned at night. Whereas Philadelphia is like the, it's still a hot spot where there's always something new in Philly and there's always tons of people out and around. And hopefully being a midtown might help them out a little bit more uh, outside the down, the kind of like party downtown atmosphere, uh, especially with the cinema. I'm sure they're going to be open up later hours just because, you know, you go to see a movie late at night. So get drunk before you go or get drunk after you're done seeing Either your film. Or, yes. Well, in some interesting national news, uh, Lagunitas files a trademark infringement suit against Sierra Nevada over lettering. Oh, boy. So we've had an interesting. We've had uh, stories like this before. We had West Sixth versus uh, Magic Hat with mm-hmm. the uh, the number nine being trademark, whether that be a number nine upside down or not, because uh, the letter six apparently is nothing other than that. So it seems that uh, we all know that Sierra Nevada has done their beer camp series, where they've done a bunch of collaboration brews over the years. Um, Jesse and I uh, each got ourselves a nice case over the summer of uh, their their beer camp mixed pack, and we went through that, and it was it was very enjoyable. Um, we got to try something a collab with. Like Russian River and places we wouldn't normally get beer, which was great. So it appears that Lagunitas is worried that um, their uh, latest beer camp beer, that happens to be a Hop Hunter IPA, uh, the IPA lettering looks suspiciously like the Lagunitas IPA lettering. Mm. Now the question is: is does it really actually look that way? Lagunitas is claiming that the um, the lettering appears in such a way that. Uh, People may mistake that Hop Hunter as a collab between Sierra Nevada and Lagunitas. Um, personally, I think this is kind of weird because uh, I guess people who are fans of Lagunitas might be more inclined to buy the Sierra Nevada thing. But I also feel like if that's the case, it's only good advertising for Lagunitas. Um, as Sierra Nevada is a much larger brewery than Lagunitas, even though they're both very big. I can't imagine there's such a, a downside to this. So uh, Jesse's looking over my shoulder here, and uh, we'll have some images in the show notes. But, uh, I mean, I will agree from a vague sort of far awayness that they do look somewhat similar. But the Lagunitas IPA, the IPA is very similar in lettering, lettering to, like, sort of what you think of the army vibe, that sort of mash lettering. Uh, I don't see this at all. I think this is total no. bullshit. I mean, they're using the same three letters, and maybe they can be sued on that. But beyond that... IPA is mean, a style, man. Okay, yeah, I know. Okay, for example, look at the top of the A. Notice how there's a it, it, go, it kind of uh, hangs over on the sides yep. and on the on the Sierra Nevada, and it's cutting out on Lagunitas. The left side of the A is really thin. The right side is really thick. You don't have that at all on the no. Sierra Nevada. The crossbar. The, cross, the shape of this, the interior circle inside the P is very, very different, different than the... It's, it's like... Oval on the Lagunitas, it's a square open inside. Spaces. Yeah, the, yeah it's, the, I mean, that's the world. The eye yeah, is it maybe the same, but beyond that, I mean, I get it when you when you zoom back out and you're looking at the six pack hand. But really, uh, it's it's a font. 
Like it is. a yeah. six can and be mistaken for a nine fonts. because, well, you flip it upside down and a beer cap sometimes is upside down. And, you know, okay, that kind of looks like a nine if you have the same font. But this, it's an IPA. It's like, really? You can't, you're not going to sue someone because they're using the same style of beer. I think that's bullshit. Yeah, no, I, I definitely call that too. Well, it's interesting looking at the uh, the Twitter comments underneath. Um, apparently, Matt Rizzolo of Twitter said, that's funny, he had the same thought when he saw the, the things, but then um, a little farther down, Darth Jeers says, and people think Jim Coke is a dickhead. <laughs> you know, so there's people yeah. going back and forth on this. And I, I tend to think that, um, I mean, it is similar, but it's the similarity of like saying that an apple and orange could be confused. You know, the coloring is different. Um, I don't think there's really any grounds by Lagunitas to have this. I'm assuming that their lawyers are just trying to get a field day at it and some press out of this because I, I'm with Jesse that the, the, there are two drastically different fonts. Maybe having the Hop Hunter down the middle of the IPA can um, make it seem like they're a little more similar than they are, but I don't think, A, this is intentional by Sierra Nevada, who does not need the Lagunitas uh, bandwagon in order to sell beer. Um, so I, I really don't see where Lagunitas is coming from this, and it just seems like a silly... Hopefully it's just like a we're throwing out a cease and desist just to scare Lagunitas, but um, yeah, this is really sort of uh, sh- shitty. And it's 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 horrible seeing that like an industry that is usually so friendly get down into these like iffy sort of legal battles when they get sort of larger to protect the brand or the trademark or whatever because it's unnecessary and it kind of makes Lagunitas look petty and stupid. Yeah. In my humble really, opinion. No, it really does. Yeah, I thought they were really supposed to foster camaraderie between them but i guess when they once they get to a certain size that all goes right out the window yeah so i haven't had the hop hunter i'll be curious to try it if it comes their way but uh sure i'm not gonna mistake it for a lagunitas beer does it say something about hop oil on it um distilled hop oil yeah yeah, brewed this oh man distilled i mean like sierra nevada is like huge and lagunitas is also huge in the label you're not gonna mistake it I just don't see it being a mistake. Well, the letterings are both black. I can see yeah, that. That's true. They black both they both say big, IPA. Yeah, yeah, yeah oh my big, god. Yeah. Okay. God forbid. Maybe they use the same size font. That's what's pissing them off. You used eighty four. That's bullshit. That's our size. Yeah. I use Times New Roman twenty four, and you use Georgia twenty four. I'm suing, man, because twenty four is the same. Twenty four. Then the show 24 sues. This is why <laughs> if I ever yeah, become right. a major brewer, all my labels are going to be in Wingdings. No one will be able to read my label, but no one's going to fucking sue me. Except possibly Microsoft. There's there's worse fonts out there. <laughs> <laughs> Comic Sans. <laughs> oh, poor Comic Sans. Now, what's the one with like, uh, do they have it on Google? No, they don't. If you saw it, though, you'd recognize it, and it's a terrible font. Anyway. <laughs> so, Mike, let's put this uh, lawsuit behind us and move on to some international lawsuit. Yeah, exactly. How about just a good old-fashioned set of companies suing company? Let's go back to people suing a company. <laughs> if I can find where I put it. All right, so in... Uh, International news, really. AB InBev loses a class action suit claiming false advertising. So in a rather apropos article, AB InBev has recently lost a false advertising suit levied against it by a couple from Miami. The plaintiffs claim that Kirin Ichiban, a brand that falls under the InBev umbrella, was being advertised as an imported beer from Japan, which is not true. The beer, though still manufactured in Japan for export to various countries, but not including the U.S., uh, where production actually occurs here domestically. And because of this, the couple claims that AB InBev pocketed extra money by marketing the beer as an import that was sold at a typical imported beer premium price point. A representative 
uh, for AB InBev has responded that that was not the intent of the company and states that the label of the beer explicitly indicates that the beer is brewed in the U.S. under just the supervision of the Kirin Ichiban company. But a court has agreed that while this is true, this is not stated anywhere on the outside packaging of the beer, and thus AB InBev must pony up. Customers who are able to provide receipts uh, that they bought this Kirin Ichiban are, are eligible for up to $50 in reimbursement depending on the amount of Kirin, Kirin purchased and also uh, only for the last five years. I guess that's the moratorium or the statute of limitations on it. Uh, but even if you do not have a receipt, however, you are still apparently able to get a free lunch on Budweiser as you can get up to $12 uh, back uh, just claiming that you bought some at some point in time and you got wronged in that. So... Yeah, it's not like I have receipts from beer I bought in the last five years. I mean, it's not like I was I don't, deducting I don't, that on my taxes. Yeah, I don't. I don't think too many people do. Nobody, people, nobody really saves a receipt with Kirin Ichiban on it. So. Yeah, really. But hey, I mean, twelve bucks. Even if you don't have one, I mean, if you really want to go through the process, I guess filling out forms. There you go. That's a, that's a free sushi roll right there, Jesse. Oh, huh? What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's good that they that this. I would hope that this then means that they're going to take the. Uh, you know, imported from Japan part of off the label or off their advertising so that, you know, it doesn't say that. Well, I guess it doesn't say anything like imported, but it just said it just says like, I guess, Kirin Ichiban, it just makes it sound Japanese. Uh, okay. And they say on the label, it actually says uh, brewed in the U.S. under the supervision of Kirin Ichiban, but that's only on the actual beer bottle label. Gotcha. So anybody that bought like a case of this, I guess, just went in, oh, look, a Japanese sounding name. It must be an import. And then it wasn't. I guess they they got pissed off enough to actually sue Budweiser for it. So yeah, call your beer something American like Budweiser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if if that's what we're gonna do, I mean, if you're calling your beer the king of beers, I mean, is that you know that's that's false well, advertising that's not American. too? That's, like, that's yeah. a tyranny. That's a tyranny. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> dictatorship over yeah, there. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> They clearly fought a bloody battle of, of consuming other businesses to become the king of beers. Yeah, democracy of beer, yeah. In the game of beer, <laughs> you die or win. Uh. Or however the Game of Thrones uh, motto goes. Yeah, that's, that's, that's sad. All right, so with that, let's move on to a little point-counterpoint beer hipsterism edition. So we talked uh, our last episode, for those who uh, are loyal listeners every week, a little bit about Jim Coke's latest blow-up at uh, a local bar, about how they weren't carrying Sam Adams. And while at the time we sort of uh, quipped off the cuff about whether we thought this was a good, bad, or ugly scenario, I think we both, or we all sort of came down silently on the, uh, he's kind of an asshole view of things. Uh, I thought that the 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 situation deserved a more in-depth discussion than that, namely because uh, reading some responses on the blogosphere about this incident led to two camps calling each other hipsters. <laughs> which is really what was interesting to me. So on the one hand, you had Gen Xers, those who are a little bit older than us, who remember fondly the days of Sam Adams being more of an authentic craft beer and arguing that Sam Adams uh, uh, lager is a pristinely delicious and well-crafted superior beer that should be found anywhere all great craft beer is served because it is good beer, good craft beer, and that anyone who was not... Hip with the originals is just pretentious and hipster. 
Meanwhile, you had the other camp that was uh, would be more perhaps our generation or below claiming that we want something, we want beers that are new, that are pushing the boundaries of what uh, beer can be defined as, what style or flavor could be, and that those who are saying we like the old stuff before they sold out are hipsters in their own right by claiming that old beer is better beer. And so I thought that was really interesting how um, on the one hand, those who are in support of Sam Adams claiming that those who find uh, Sam Adams to be boring are hipsters. And then those who are in the anti-camp saying that I want to drink what I want to drink and I don't care how great Sam Adams used to be. It's not relevant on today's market um, for craft beer nerds. We're also hipsters. So I thought I'd open the floor to that discussion. Are both side hipsters uh, or, is, or is one side posturing inappropriately? Oh, the hipsteria. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get to a state of hipphoria? <laughs> <laughs> hip fortitude, yeah. Hip fortitude. I, I'd claim both are hipsters. Oh, all sides are hipsters. Now the, no, I think no, I think the hipster would have to be the newer generation. Okay. I mean, because the, the people who are like, because that's 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 taking on that persona of oh, we only we always want to go for that next new album. I mean, the other the opposite is you know what our grandparents are saying about oh, the kids these days, you know. Is they the, can't be hipsters. My grandfather's not a hipster. Is that hipster? Because I feel like hipster is more like what you mentioned, like, oh, I liked it before it got big. Yeah, so that, that's oh. the, the other viewpoint of it is, you know. Hip, well, that was the hipster hipsters like in like 2000. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> that was the hipster in 2000. That's, that's who these people are, though. Right. The hipster exactly. today is saying. not the hipster of yesterday. No. No, I can see that definition cha- changing over time, but... So uh, a friend of mine actually uh, sent me a very interesting uh, blog post from Jim7, uh, the website's jim7.com, and we'll have a, a link in the show notes, who um, he said, uh, he basically uh, waxes a little bit about what the word hipster really means. And uh, in his post, he says, quote, I don't really like the word hipster, nor do I condone its usage, despite occasional indulgence. But I did spend some time recently trying to work out what it meant and what it meant when we use it. It isn't really a cultural label the way goth or mod were and are. I think the word has ended up being many things to many people, but I think when you use it, there is, at its root, one key idea. You are saying, I don't believe you. It is the label given to those who posture, whose culture, sartorial, or intellectual pretense is painful to see. This is why no one self-identifies this way. We, are belie- we, be- we want to believe we're telling the truth, or at least getting away with looking like we are. Uh, end quote. And so I thought that was actually a really, really great definition and why both sides can claim that, that Mm. those who are stalwarts of the old era, those who think that Sierra Nevada Pale Ale and Sam Adams, those who were drinking craft beer in the 80s and early 90s before the craft beer explosions of the post-new millennium can say, all you guys, you're just looking for the next big thing, the next big rush, but you don't appreciate what craft beer truly is. You're just a fucking bunch of hipsters. Meanwhile, a bunch of uh, the, on the other side of that, the the post millennial drinkers are looking at it, saying, "Well, you guys just like what you liked growing up with, and now you don't want to try anything new, and you, we are supposed to give some sort of homage or respect um, to these old vanguards who aren't relevant in the market anymore." And so you're being disingenuous, saying that we have to like care about the history of where our beer comes from to the point of actually paying to drink it, mm. which is where I really think what comes down to like, I give um, Sam Adams all the respect in the world for having built a massive industry around craft beer, but that doesn't mean that I feel like every time I go to the bar, I at least have to have one Sam Adams right, or yeah. buy a pint of it so I can pour it out on the floor for my homies. Just now, to- yeah, now Jim Coke would probably want you to, but <laughs> I mean, that's in his best interest, so... Well, and that was interesting in a couple of the articles that I was reading, the people who were sort of against uh, Sam Adams were arguing that he's a 
he's a victim of his own success. The very yeah. fact that Sam Adams has become omnipresent is even if they're making delicious beers, the very fact that you can find them everywhere means that people don't seek them out and then don't want to drink them. So yeah, I probably admit that there's probably some seasonal or some rare Sam Adams offerings that I'm missing out on by not wanting to drink, but I just don't put Sam Adams in the same way. I don't put it in the same level of enthusiasm I would be a new release from Trogues or, no. or God forbid from somebody who has a high thing like Hill Farmstead or Russian River. I'm not going to have that same level of exuberance when I see them. No, I agree with you. I mean, I've seen some like weird stuff from Sam Adams before, like styles you hardly ever see, but all of a sudden, like, I mean, if they're putting it out, that's that's a big thing that they're putting a lot of might behind it. Uh, I think like right now you're they're sort of stuck between um, a rock and a hard place. Like they've grown grown so big that a lot of their like core fan base that they had back in the day has left them completely. They've mm-hmm. moved on to other stuff, but they still haven't gotten big enough that they've really gotten the attention of a lot of like you know uh, Johnny Sixpack in his you know backyard. You know, drinking a bud and watching a football game. Well, um, Patrick Berger from KaiserTiger.com wrote an open letter to Jim Cook, and he uh, said he's been drinking his beer since the late 80s when he started homebrewing and really getting to beer, and that he uh, currently owns two craft beer bars. And um, he said that uh, basically he used to carry his beer at uh, Patty's Longs, his uh, humble temple to beer and bacon in Chicago. But that what he ended up realizing is that he was the only one who actually drank it. Mm. The people who were going to his bar didn't want to drink Sam Adams. And so he would always have something on tap and he had some stuff in the bottle. But he realized that uh, after a, a long time, he went to grab a cold Boston lager out of the fridge and realized it didn't taste right. And when he checked the label, it was well past its uh, expiration date. Mm-hmm. And he realized that the reason is, is because it wasn't going off the shelf. No one was coming in saying, God damn it, I'll have a Boston lager when there's... What, what do they call those when they sit on the shelves? Um, shit, I don't remember what they call Oh, shelf turds. Shelf turds, yeah. So it turns out that they were becoming shelf turds. And uh, yeah, and so I get that. At the same time, but I, I also understand the complaint of going into a place and buying a shitty sub-quality beer just because it has less market appeal is also a bad thing. That Boston Lager is actually a pretty damn good beer compared mm-hmm. to a lot of the shit that we may end up trying. Right. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, Burger King's a pretty good burger. And that doesn't mean that I have to go out and, like, buy a Burger King burger, like, once a week just to pay homage to the Burger King yeah. empire. I need to... or or anything along those lines. No, I agree with you. And that's why I try to mention it as much as possible, or I mean, not as much as possible, but here and there that, you know, things like Boston Lager are, I think, very good. But yeah, maybe there is a little bit of taking things like that for granted. Like, it's easy to find Sam Adams, so I don't get too worked up about it. Right. Um, that's why, like, something like Victory comes out with Dirt Wolf, which I think is an amazing beer, but it's super prevalent. They do it year round now. I go to the beer store, they've got like 30 cases up on the shelves. But I just want to remind myself that, you know, not to take that for granted as you know, much as possible. To not just assume it's always going to be there or always be as good and just be thankful that I have something good. Um, well, and I'm wondering if this is going to be a downside that, that like New Belgium is on um, airlines now. So mm-hmm. is, is Fat Tire going to suddenly become less um, trendy as a craft beer because it's becoming more and more omnipresent? Does Sierra Nevada Pale Ale have that same effect where people are less inclined to want to buy it, even though it's a phenomenal beer because yeah. it is much more prevalent? I wonder if that will happen. I mean, like, because when. I, I visited DC a lot. Like New Belgium, like went into that market and exploded. It was everywhere. Everybody loved New Belgium. Um, now, how long will that last? Who knows? And maybe once they start dropping it, then they'll start moving into say Pennsylvania because 
they'll still be producing that high amount of beer and they'll need somewhere to move it if they just start not drinking it in mass quantities. So yeah, yeah I guess there's maybe a, a finite level of like how much they can like keep pushing the new markets and get that fervor back. Well, I wonder if part of it's guilt by association when all, when you go into a shitty bar and it's Bud Light, Coors Light, Miller Light, Budweiser, Coors, and Sam Adams being that, you know, seventh amigo, does that dirty your reputation? Does it tarnish your reputation by uh, everywhere you can find shitty beer, yeah. you also can find Sam Adams? Does that have an effect on the psyche of people who are potentially buying your beer? It, I think it does on me because actually that's really the only places you find Sam Adams anymore. Like we go to the, our normal beer uh, watering holes of choice and they usually have some decent stuff on tap. And if they had Sam Adams, I wouldn't think about it. But when I go to like, you know, a more blue collar bar, they will have like your staples plus usually a Sam Adams offering. And that's usually the one I'm going for then, uh, the Sam Adams. And I also remember the time when like Angry Orchard was an independent cidery and then all of a sudden they were bought out by Sam Adams and all of a sudden Woodchuck almost overnight was kicked off every tap. Yeah, Woodchuck yeah. really did disappear. It, it did. It, Woodchuck, and, and I know they're still out there, and you can still buy their ciders, and they're you know still decent ciders. But um, the moment Angry Orchard was part of the Sam Adams family, boom, or the Boston Beer Company uh, family, they just took over like instantaneously overnight. Now you can't go anywhere without an Angry Orchard cider on tap somewhere. And I remember, I remember that shift happening because all of a sudden I was like, "Whoa, this Angry Orchard's like in every freaking bar that I go to. How is this possible?" And then I realized, "Oh, they were bought by Sam. So everywhere there's a Sam Adams tap, there's going to be an Angry Orchard tap." Mm. And so, again, it was one of those things where now I'm less inclined to have an Angry Orchard because I'd rather have from the cidery I've never heard of to try something new or different as opposed to mm-hmm. drinking the thing that I know I will be able to get forever um, because it's everywhere. But I do agree that um, some of the things you see, which is a little uh, discouraging, is that the, the way people covet beer, like even uh, stuff like breweries that are really good um, and aren't around super often, like we only maybe go for their rare stuff uh, just because it's it's not easy to find. And we sometimes do equate rarity with being good, mm-hmm. which is definitely not true. I definitely had plenty of stuff where it was rare and I was really excited. I was like, oh man, you, you, you can never find this anywhere. And it turned out to be okay. And it's right. like, really, what did people see in this? Like, yeah. And I try not to bullshit myself on that. Like if I have it and I don't like it, then I'm just like, well, now I know. Yeah. Well, I think I think the argument is also that this is not a staple. It's not like okay, like bread in my life. I eat bread every day. This mm-hmm. is what happens. Um, but then when I have some, when I have the choice of to do something new, like I'm not gonna have the same dinner every night, though. It's like this is, where the, I mean, especially this. This is like this is almost. I don't want to say it's an art, but at the same time, like we're going out to have an experience when we're drinking this beer. I mean, if I want to get drunk, I'm gonna go to vodka or something else, and I'm just gonna slam it, and that's gonna be. This is not utilitarian. Beer is not like that. Right. Um, we are then looking for a new experience. I can't listen. I mean, however much I would love to, I can't listen to the same Beatles album over and over and over and over again. <laughs> right. I have to listen to something new. And um, it's kind of like when I was, uh, I remember watching Napoleon Dynamite, right? I was watching, you know, the, the, the jokes at first, you're watching Napoleon Dynamite, but actually after you see it a few times, you're not paying attention to Napoleon. You, th- you start looking at uh, Kip and his uncle Rico <laughs> and how f- hilarious they are. You can't stick to the staples. You have to go branch out. And it's not a matter of being a hipster. It's a matter of being a human with, with tastes that become numb and dulled after just if they're exposed to something just so boring and so repetitive you have to explore something new and that's not being hips but that's just being normal yeah well i think there's a catch-22 where um jim coke would argue that those who are budweiser loyalty loyalists who when they were 21 had a budweiser then that's freaking all they've ever drank and he'd go you're stupid drinkers you're idiots for having stuck with a uh, inferior product when there's so much better stuff out there like expand a little bit try something new but then on the other side of the token he's got a, a whole other market share who's like well 
you know, we like what we like, but we want to see what else is out there. You know, there's always, you've, you've inspired us to want to try to find something better and we're going to do that. And in doing so, we have to try new things. Yeah. And then he's also going, well, you guys, it's like you've created the monster that you're now railing against and how hypocritical or, or disastrous that is that, you know, is, I guess, truly probably his philosophy would be we all should have quit drinking Budweiser and stuck to Sam Adams for the yeah. rest of our lives. But that's not fair. I mean, the whole reason was to find better beer, and there's better beer than Sam Adams. And what's wrong with us for being on a constant search for finding the pinnacle of beer? Did yeah. you say hypocritical or hipster critical? Hipster. <laughs> I said hippo. Sorry, someone but hit me right now. Please. <laughs> no, I like all this, this phraseology. Uh, we've coined a lot of uh, terms tonight that I want to ha- work into the lexicon because... Uh, Definitely hipsterism is part of the zeitgeist, and I feel like having these critiquing words is is, is part of the uh, the tool set we need to thoroughly bash them. <laughs> yeah, and I, getting back to Jim Coke, I think he just sort of, I can see why he act, acted out the way he did. I mean, obviously, he probably regrets some of the things he said, or at least would rather rephrase them. But I could see, like, strolling into a, a bar with 80-some taps in Boston, you know, a place that... Right. You, you've been forever and not seeing one of your beers there. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's that's going to offend. You're going to get offended by that. So now berating the poor uh, bartenders there that really probably have nothing to do with that decision. Not quite the brightest move. Well, and I have sympathy for his position because I think um, there has been an embrace of nerd culture um, in America um, pr- within the last 10 years that, it, that wasn't there previously. But it's really hard to accept the authenticity of those who are sort of late to that ship because it's one thing to have lived through nerd culture when being into nerdy things made you a social outcast and a pariah. Um, it, it's it's really hard to have lived through that period and then watch everyone be like, no, Star Wars is totally cool now. Liking Star Wars is totally acceptable. And it's right. like, well, you've come in not realizing that those who came before you were ostracized for liking this science fiction thing that you now adore. And so it's hard for, I feel like, old vanguard uh, nerds to really accept new people who are in nerdy things because it's like, you didn't suffer the way I suffered but, for these things that I love, that and, we love. And he probably went like door-to-door, uh, like bar-to-bar, selling his product. Absolutely. And that was probably super hard back in the day because everybody's like, well, why would I buy this? You know, My customers want Budweiser or Budweiser or whatever. Um, yeah. So then to see just like a bunch of like, you know, dudes get together and open up a brewery and everybody loves them for it. It's just like, well, what the hell? Like simply because they're new, not necessarily better. And I, right. I, I understand that, but there needs to be a middle ground between the two. Um, because we don't, otherwise Sam Adams becomes the new AB InBev and that's not good for anyone. So, um, yeah, I wish there was a way that he could continue making his freaking billions. Wah, wah, wah. First world <laughs> problems. Um, so, yeah, I sympathize with him, but I still think he's wrong. Ultimately, that's how I feel. I feel like we should all be searching for better beer, like, all the time. And people who want to sit and be happy with their with their own beer, I'm not going to judge if you drink the same thing over and over again. But you can't critique people who don't. And the, the owners of this are the ones who are sort of cut in the middle. They're serving what people want to drink. Mm-hmm. And the market has decided that Sam Adams for craft beer hip bars isn't what people want to drink. And clearly he's not going broke. You know, Sam Adams is still huge. The marketing budget's probably bigger than most regional craft beers com- breweries combined. So he's not hurting for cash. I think he should just calm down and realize that he's no longer Mr. You know, hipster King. He needs to just realize that he's, you know, grandfather of craft beer and that's okay. Yeah. 
And worse comes worse, they can always take a page out of Dave Chappelle's book and re- rebrand Sam Adams to Sam Jackson beer. <laughs> <laughs> Disappear to Africa for a couple of years due to yeah. uh, pressure constraints yeah. and then uh, hop back. Sounds awesome to me. Yeah, didn't you have him swear a lot or something? Yeah. Was it? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you always yelling? That's how I talk. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you seen my movies? Oh, man, that's a great skit. Oh man, Chappelle's Sam, shows was so Sam genius. Jackson Beard. Yeah, speaking of, yeah, let's be hipsters here for a second. Yeah, I was talking about yeah, Chappelle show. <laughs> yeah, little hipster nostalgia. Um, I was trying to talk to my one class about uh, about it was for whatever reason it went to the the Rick James episode, and um, one student had seen that episode in my one rock and roll history class. One, like, one I'm like, this oh, is one of the man. best comedic moments of ever. Jesus, I remember being in. Uh, college and like for months like you would just hear people screaming that out randomly yeah. I'm Rick James bitch and it's like I said there was but the and none of the none of them believed me that this is a video they should all see I was like please go watch this I mean, the one girl was even like just quoting it then in class like the rest of the time and like see I, <laughs> someone someone you do respect because you don't respect me yeah. is saying it's funny and you still aren't Never mind, man. Do you Kids enjoy, these days. Yeah. Do you enjoy well, Wayne Brady? Because Wayne Brady is gonna have to choke a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you see what was it on Twi- Twitter or one of the social media sites? Apparently, um, Kanye and uh, Paul McCartney did a duet. Oh yeah. And yeah, all these people were that. like, "Who's this Paul? Yeah, McCartney? who's this Paul McCartney guy? I don't know who this guy is, but you know, since he did a duet with Kanye, he's gonna blow up. <laughs> he's gonna be the next big thing." And like, oh my god, yeah, it was just Paul McCartney. Yeah. That's really uh, funny. Well, that's why I remember when uh, um, Bieber did a couple of covers of like classic rock songs oh, no. and the Beatles specifically, and they were like, "I can't believe all of the." It was funny. It was just the the lack of of thinking by Justin Bieber fans. I can't believe these all, all these old bands are just copying off Bieber songs. <laughs> like, what? Just think about what she said. Do you really feel like sixty year old dudes? We're going to be ripping off Justin Bieber or the other way around. Like, it was, yeah. So sometimes, you know, I, I never yeah. am disappointed in betting on the stupidity of people. I bet uh, they drink Budweiser. Yeah. Myself included. Uh, the Beatles, the ultimate Justin Bieber cover band. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they just covered so many people. <laughs> uh, well, all right. So Jim Cook's an asshole, sympathetic <laughs> asshole, and we can leave it there. So let's move on to what Jesse's been waiting for. Beer versus beer. (laughs) Mike and Rob select the finest beer to pit in single combat for champion beer. Two beers enter. One beer leaves. Time for Jesse Clark to offer us Domo Arigato, Mr. Robato. So, Jesse has been begging for all manner of pairings, and I feel as though <laughs> lately the show has been bring Jesse dinner. <laughs> <laughs> but this week we really did want to go with the full Japanese, uh, so we are all turning Japanese and pairing sushi rolls with beer. You really think so? <laughs> um, uh, I would like to, yeah, nothing right. wrong with that. Um, there's no women here. Uh, Friend of the show, Ashley Bagwell, does have a thing where she will not date a man who's previously dated an Asian thing because she will not date a guy with an Asian fetish. I think it's really interesting and weird. So, um, yeah, just side note there for those who are listening. All right. All right. Um, never really thought about it, though I don't really have a thing for the Asians specifically. I'm a f- I don't see color, man. I don't see color. 
Anyway, um, so what we thought we would do is we're not going in with the traditional sashimi, uh, just food. Jesse loves his wacky, crazy specialty rolls. So Mike and I went out to our, uh, may, may not perhaps her favorite places, but to a very highly rated place in our hearts. Uh, ordered a roll of our liking and then attempted to pair it with an authentic Japanese beer. Now, getting authentic Japanese beer is a little tough in like A little harder than I thought. That's, <laughs> I thought there was so, more. <laughs> We both have different beers, but from the same company, which is okay. Yeah. So uh, this time, I'm going to have Mike go first. Yeah, that sounds right. All right, so my, my super awesome combo is the Crazy Roll from Cafe East paired with Hitachino Nest XH. So uh, Hitachino, of course, is a Japanese brewery, and this is their take on a strong Belgian brown style, but with their own spin on it. The beer has been aged, aged in sake casks. This is combined with an equally stout sushi roll, the Crazy Roll from Cafe East. The Crazy Roll, or as I would like to call it, the Kitchen Sink Roll, has a little bit of everything. Eel, shrimp, crab, smoked salmon are the seafood varieties in this roll mixed with cucumber, avocado, and caviar. It's a bit decadent, but I need to step up my sushi game to try and cater to the kate sha, which is Japanese for the decider. Ooh. That is you. Uh, uh, can I say Mike wins right now? Oh. <laughs> you don't know what's coming to All right, all right, all right. <laughs> is that oh oh I lost the uh, nunchucks or the uh, <laughs> chopsticks uh, the nunchucks the nunchucks <laughs> do you have uh, chopsticks on you now um, no I do not actually you have to fork this I'm all alone somebody help me so listeners how you doing should I get the plates out <laughs> <laughs> to our listeners on my <laughs> my alone time out here Listening to the All Rob Fisher Hour. <laughs> I'm Ira Glass, and this is NPR <laughs> Morning Edition. Why does everybody sound like Ira Glass? <laughs> <laughs> okay, my beer got cold. Thank fucking Christ. It's always scary. The XH. I've had this before. You want to try this? Yeah. This is my beer. Oh, you're... Uh, yeah, well, now beer? it's carbonated. I just want to see what your opinions on it are. Oh, yeah, definitely carbonated. <laughs> What's the style? Uh, it's a nut brown. Okay, that's what I would have guessed. Um, yeah, the celery still really dominates. God damn. Yeah. That was one freaking stalk of celery. What is that here? Oh, it's my um, celery beer. Anson Log? You tried it, I think, at Dan Annis's. It needs a little sweetness to it, to be honest. Yeah, that's what the grapes are there for, and they've come through a little bit more than they were, but yeah, there need, definitely needs to be more. Oh, so we, do we all get to taste, taste a piece of this issue? Yeah. Is that how it's going? Well, I'd imagine. Yes. Sweet. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. I got There's plenty. So I love this company. They have the uh, most adorable yeah. little owl Here we go. logo. Yeah, they really do. Cute little owl. Hoo-hoo. Hoo-hoo. Go Hoo-hoo. on, Hoo-hoo. take no, the money and run. What? What was that from now? Hoo-hoo. <laughs> like, oh, come on. Steve Miller Band? No. Go on. The Beatles have the hoo-hoo hachu or whatever. Yeah, ooh. but there was a hoo-hoo. Oh. Wait, no, now you're... Uh, hoo-hoo. It's not both. Hoo-hoo. No. Uh, same continent, though, or same area. <laughs> same continent. Well, same island, whatever. Uh, same empire. Uh, uh, that, no, 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 you don't need to do that one. That's, that's my empty glass, unless that's yours. For you. Wait, no, I poured you two and I was going to pour me one. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Like, I thought, I'm sorry. I thought you were pouring another, another. Another, another. Hoo, hoo. 
who? It's the Rolling Stones, Sympathy for the Devil. Oh, yeah, you're right. Jeez. I'm not a very big Rolling Stones fan, to be honest. Well, the smell on this is certainly funky. Well, that's a hipster thing to say. <laughs> you're lucky that Whoa. I got some Beatles and guessed uh, like two classic rock bands. Yeah, it's kind of like... It's funky. It's like eggs. Like funky eggs. It's like dirty gym clothes. <laughs> a little bit. Tastes pretty good, though. Well, there's like a... It's different. Apricotty sweetness in there or something. Malty. Huh. There's like tentacles coming down my throat. Yeah, is that supposed to be the sake? <laughs> I feel like there's a weird bacteria strain in there. I'm gonna take a bite of the sushi here. Mmm. Sushi is quite delicious, though. Pair it together. I like the pairing. That's good. I, th- I think um, I think I taste a little horseradish in the... In the... Do I taste uh, that in the roll? Yeah, I think there might be a slight amount. And... Um, mm. Yeah. I, think the, I think the beer really calms that down a little bit. I'm usually bothered by that burning of the horseradish, mm. but this, I think this is, I'm very surprised right now. They actually do pear better than I would have thought. Really did not try that, but. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest. Yeah, the beer's pretty harsh, but. Um, yeah, it's like. The sushi's surprisingly sweet, which I think is exactly what the beer needs. Yeah, I think this this was good. Yeah, the, the sushi's a little savory, a little sweet. Um, it just sort of takes the edge off the beer. So weird beer. It is a weird beer. I mean, it, I wasn't expecting like the sour. Like it's supposed to be a strong Belgian brown mixed in sake. So I was expecting like that kind of. It's a strong something or other. Maybe like a sweet, yeah, alcohol note to it. But I almost wonder if like something got in here or what. Like. No, that's what I remember it tasting like. It's a funky right? beer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a weird flavor when I first when I tasted it first I tasted the beer first and I, that sound I made was yeah. me thinking whoa there's a weird flavor in here yeah. I don't care for mm-hmm. um, but then I ate the sushi and there was a and then I drank the beer and I didn't taste that flavor immediately then and I thought it helped out the, the sushi then too yeah okay, good the Mr. Roboto episode where we do uh, um, beer versus beer will have to be uh, sake bombs beer oh god yeah we combine sake with, uh, with beer which front of the show, Rachel Hayes, she, mm. for her birthday yep. party, desperately wanted to do sake bombs. Everybody had to do sake bombs. Very excited about the sake bomb. It's my first and only sake bomb. Well, well Jesse looks hungry for more. Yeah, all right. So, uh, Mike went with his uh, super awesome combo, and so I went with my super more awesome combo. <laughs> so, I got, uh, I went unconventional. Uh, I did go with the authentic Japanese beer. I went with the Hatachino Nest Real Ginger Beer. I figured ginger, sushi. Perfect pairing. Uh, I'm a ginger. You know, Jesse's a ginger. Ginger comes with your sushi. And I also combine it with a an unconventional sushi place. I got the crab roll from Hunger and Thirst. Oh, interesting. So, uh, one of the keys here. Now, Jesse, I know you're not necessarily the biggest uh, horseradish guy in the world. However, their uh, wasabi is a pomegranate wasabi. Whoa. Huh. So you may just want to try that just for the experience, and then new, will... new and inventive takes on wasabi, which is actually probably where I originally would have gone to uh, get your roll. Is that this stuff? Didn't yes. Have the, didn't have the best write-up though. Their wasabi is very what, uh, very purple. As a result. Oh yeah. So Jesse, I'm just gonna rate the wasabi. Le beer for you. Ooh. Oh sorry. Clearing out your nostrils. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Did a little too much wasabi. The pomegranate does not really take the edge off it like I thought it might. <laughs> well, I love wasabi. Mm. I love wasabi. Wasabi. I love, well, I love spicy things, period. So the beer coloring looks about the same, even though one is a beer made with ginger and the other one is a brown. Was... There you go, Mike. 
Oh, thank you. Let's get in here with the smell. Really not much of a nose here. Mm. Oh, that's nice. Smelling it out of the bottle, I get that nice concentrated, like a, tie, like a lot of Thai, like almost like a ginger coconut smell. Ooh, it smells really good. Mm. The beer's not bad. Yeah. It's light. It's um, sweet. I don't get a, the Ooh. ratings of it where, oh my God, the ginger's so strong, it's disgusting. But, um, really? No. I don't really Again, it's like, a, it's like a creamy beer. It's like a, oh, like wow. a cream ale, kind of like, um, almost like we just made a Tom, Tom Kong guy, I think, the coconut soup. And this kind of reminds me of it, just without the spice. Like you get those strong kind of ginger lemongrass notes, but there's like a really creaminess. It almost reminds you of the coconut. Again, like a very just different beer, but I, I like this one a lot. It's very heavy body. Just yeah, I don't think I've had anything quite like this before. This would be a great beer, I think, to pair with uh, sushi. Let me try. Mm-hmm. Sushi is definitely differently flavored. Yeah. What kind of roll is this again? It's a uh, crab roll. It's uh, I forget what the actual description of what the ingredients were because it's. Um, Acidic and um, like tangy sweet in yeah. a weird way. There's like a tanginess. Yeah. Not that it's bad. It's just not what you think of as a uh, typical sushi roll. Mm. Which is sort of what I was going with because I wanted to go sort of the American twist on this Japanese favorite. Mm. There's a little bit more sushi, guys. So, I mean, uh, Jesse should probably save the other last piece, but mm-hmm. there's some more of mine if you guys want to go with the pairing. I wanted to get a sample of what each was like individually. Yeah, there's a crab in the middle and then... Um, Wait, what? The middle of the the roll. Crab ba. <laughs> oh crab. Oops. Ba 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 I was like, ooh, this is the best sushi roll ever. It was really cheap for crap for <laughs> crack. I almost said crap roll. Uh, crack roll. Um yeah, so crab oh, I think there's it's uh, the, the the purple leafy stuff. The, the ginger. The ginger is sweet. Hmm. Might be pickled ginger. Yeah, that's what it is. Hmm. Yeah. But definitely um What is that? It's like a Again the pairing's not that bad. Pretty good. It's like a strawberry or something. The sweetness takes the tang out. I'm actually really curious. I wish we had more so that we could actually invert the pairings. I'm curious what Mike's sushi with my beer would have been like. Mm-hmm. Our powers combined. But I guess it's not really up to us. I think Jesse's got a an unusual pairing for himself here. And I think I he's going to have to really ponder this one over. What brings him to that level of hipster for you over here? I'm take one more of yours. I just love the idea of wasabi mixed with other things. Hmm. Even if the like, um, um, this particular wasabi didn't quite work with the pomegranates or something, but I would love to cut it with something else that enhances the flavor a little bit. Because the problem with wasabi is it just goes straight to your nose. And yeah, then, it does. I'm, mm, a, I'm a sucker for punishment. <laughs> All right, so um, I definitely like Rob's beer more. Hmm. Um, I think... It is unusual that the, the crab roll, um, it, it, the crab is very intense, um, and it is, and it, it kind of reminds me of like an American crab flavor. I don't know, it just does. It, um, I think though uh, that even though it's one of those cases where I think in many ways that I think Rob's individual elements are better. I don't think they they pair as well as Mike's. Um, I, I have to go with Mike on this. Uh, the the roll I didn't think I thought, I thought it was tasty, but I don't think it was as tasty as as Rob's. Okay. But I think the way that they combined was just a really nice way. I really like the the smoothness that happens when I eat those together. So like like, like I said, um, Rob's beer I think is superior, but the, but when it blends with that, when I'm eating the sushi, it doesn't quite really go. I think. Okay. What what about the roll stood out more better for his? Uh, like, I, just the, there was that that crab flavor I liked. Um, okay. 
I, it was just it was nice and simple and intense. Um, yours, I did like. I did like. Uh, there was a you know a, 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 a swath of variety of flavors. And yeah, I thought really. they, that was pretty delicious. A lot going on. Um, yeah, but it was a lot going on, and I the, the horseradish I don't care for as much. Okay. Um, I didn't realize that. I was telling you. I could be wrong, but there was a flavor in there that I didn't care for. But when I drink the beer though with it, I don't notice the flavor, and I don't notice that weird flavor that I didn't care for in the beer. <laughs> so, you know. I feel like if we did the ratings just or they did the uh, the assessment just by pairings, I feel like on average Mike kicks my ass at this. Yeah. Somehow I take two strong con- uh, options and put them together, and they're just not as powerful. Um, somehow yeah. Mike has yeah. the yeah. magic touch for bringing two things together and um, <laughs> making the sum greater than its parts. So kudos, sir. Kudos. Thank you. Yeah. I will have to uh, shortly sit down and come up with the uh, who's actually there because I think at this point um, you've been winning quite a bit recently. Recently, I've been on a good tear. Yeah. yeah, so I think I was up a little by uh, a couple there, and I think you probably have surma- surp- uh, surpassed me at this point. I need to figure out. You got to try harder, Rob. How bad <laughs> I'm in the hole on on this sort of thing. So we'll have to have to see how it goes. But uh, well, again, either way, Jesse wins. So. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Although I think the the takeaway from this segment, um, especially, is that uh, beer actually does pair pretty well with sushi. Yeah. Um, I prefer sort of a, like a lemony, zesty sort of beer, um, especially in summer. I'll go with like a lemony saison or uh, even like a, a light wheat beer um, with sushi. Um, I don't think that pairing necessarily would be as strong right now in the colder winter months. But um, I think uh, as foods go uh for the wide variety of food there is a wide variety of beer that pairs all along with it quite well and i think even with the subtler tastes and flavors of sushi especially when you're switching between various different types of rolls that there is light beer lighter beer in flavor that uh cleanses the palate and wipes away at the end that uh, can be just as strong pairing with beer as any other beverage of choice Hmm. I was surprised you guys didn't go with like any kind of like a pilsner or a lager or something like that. I would have figured you guys would have gone for the light end. Well, we went with the authentic Japanese beers, yeah, which okay. definitely uh, hamstringed us a little bit in terms of choice. Uh, I thought there was a lot more than there was, but apparently like uh, the only Japanese brewery that exports really is Hidachino, and mm-hmm. um, Hunger and Thirst has a decent selection, I think, yep. but even then they only had four, I think. Four. Yep. Yeah. So. So I'm sure the dude working there thought it was very weird. The two dudes came in and bought a yeah. uh, large selection of <laughs> Japanese beers without comment. <laughs> Did you ask him? Did you ask him about Japanese beers? Or? Uh, no, there, he. I asked him about uh, how he had the thing organized, and uh, Far East was down the bottom corner. So oh, uh, okay. that was all they had. Um, and then we got a nugget nectar because he had that. It came in the day. Yeah, there. I saw that too. And I was like, ooh, yeah, I was instantly distracted. Yeah. I just thought it funny. Like I walked in, um, asked him like where his Japanese beers were, and then I was hoping that like you would have done the same like later on that day, and he would just been like, what "The hell is going on?" <laughs> it's the rage, man! All the hip kids that are out of the Japanese beers. That reminds me of the um, the uh, when we had that 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 uh, the scavenger hunt, and we had that item on the 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 list was we were on a team together um yeah where uh they had to go into a porn shop and haggle for a, oh an yeah an old toy to exactly and uh, I remember I was in with um. Sheila, we were in there. We had to take a photo of us by the double dong. Okay. And while we were foot long double dong. Yeah. The, and uh, we were we were doing that, and we overheard the guy behind the counter saying, "I don't know what it is." Dude. He was like calling his manager, like, "Are we are our stuff overpriced?" <laughs> <laughs> There's been a rash of people saying our one anal toy is just is way too overpriced. 
<laughs> will they actually haggle at all? Like with anything? Like because no. I actually I'm like sure the guy on the counter has no authority to actually. Oh no! If yes. I if I had no shame, can I just be like, yeah, I'll give you a ten? Ramirez for this. tried for like yeah. a very long time because he has no shame about that sort of thing. Yeah, well, yeah. The, it was surprising how many how many of our friends really had no shame, and mm-hmm. I really enjoyed hearing all those recordings. Yeah, Dan, if I remember, went for the the angle that he was like, "Well, what you don't have the power to do this? Maybe I need to talk to a manager, you know." And <laughs> yeah. meanwhile, Jenny Lou went for, uh, "Come on, it's a recession. Everyone still needs anal pleasure." <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh man. Oh my god. I love how two teams went with the porn store that year. It was great. Yeah. There was get a picture next to a footlong double dong, and then there was uh, haggle with the owner for, or with the uh, employee there. F- for half off some sort of anal pleasure uh, d- device uh, for at least five minutes. And, uh, five minutes. Five minutes. One minute. One minute. One minute. I was okay, going to say. Yeah, five minutes is... Perhaps we were not that I mean, cruel. But, yeah, I uh, imagine you'd be thrown out of there. You're sitting there like... <laughs> five minutes still trying to get... I feel like you just walked in there and you could do it and be like, um, sir, would it be possible i mean if you do that long enough there you gotta go. make yeah, no problem you get to barely get the question out before just you have to quit but, uh, yeah just, they didn't go for it our friends just went like they yep. had a strategy yep it yes. was take the least embarrassed of us and let him go in and ask <laughs> straight faced and this reminds me of always sunny uh matt goes up to buy the uh, to the italian market to buy the pair it's like but i will not pay full price <laughs> 75 cents yeah 50 cents i'll give you 35 I don't have time for this shit. Just give me the thirty-five cents. <laughs> That's what I was hoping they would have done. Like, you know, after like, if you haggle for a minute, it's like I don't have time for this shit. Sure, whatever. Like, you. Well, they could, but no, because you don't want to have to buy anything. So that would. But what if what if they actually did? What if like he was so tired by the time the sixth person came in to haggle over? He's like, yeah, fine. What what do you want him for? Yeah, I'll give it to you. And it's like, well, no, wait, I need to like keep this going. Yeah, shit. I know. They're like, so it's almost like, and it would, you know. Well, you can always haggle even lower. Okay, so you're gonna give us you the it's originally thirty dollars you gave me for fifteen. Uh, no, I actually want eleven. No, I want eight. No, seriously, you have to give it to me for free. Keep it anyway. <laughs> you, you have to buy it back for me. <laughs> well, what I love about it is is nowhere in the rules that it say that after the minute of embarrassing yourself authentically, you could have then said sorry. It was part of a scavenger hunt, but none of our, none of the teams did that. They were just like, well, thank you for your business, sir, and like walked yeah. out of the door. I was like, I'm really impressed that. Nobody then wanted to explain themselves, which was great. Well, uh, but then we did do that. We did. We kind of uh, bogarted the other teams when we did the. Um, what was it like? Was it Billy Ocean song? Uh, the, oh yeah, I, it yeah. was me and James Lipka did that karaoke. Um, what was it? Caribbean oh. Queen. Oh, yeah, Caribbean Queen. Yeah. But anyway, we had to do that, and uh, and I think we told them we were the first to do that at Marion Court, and we told them, oh, it was for a scavenger hunt, and then he didn't allow anyone to do it. Yeah, yeah, we're the only team that did that. Same same thing with the Fide. Horses cop a carrot. Oh, yeah. So you had to give a <laughs> horse there. cop a carrot, and the one guy that we could find on duty hated carrots. And so our team was lucky enough to hit him up first, and he actually took a bite of carrot um, and sucked it up and chewed and swallowed. And the rest of the teams, when they showed up, he was like, uh-uh, did this once, not doing it again. And then so they all tried without success. So it was sort of like, got in there early and uh, did what was needed. Done. The other one was to get the high score on the uh, erotic photo hunt. Um, oh, at Brandy's, God, really? and uh, well, thankfully they had just recently wiped the scores, <laughs> so uh, got there early and like got through on round four and had first place. Snapped the photo and ran out. But as <laughs> but other teams did better, you could see that score getting higher and higher and higher. So uh, um, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. There's no, a lot of things. We were so fortunate. Like that. that was the year that we went to Britney's first. We found Bobby High immediately. Got him in yep. his underwear. Took yep. a shadow box him at, on High, High Street. Street. Yeah. yeah, that was. We really kicked ass. We did. We did. We even slept like seven hours. Where lots of teams. Yeah, did. the other teams. The only were... way we got screwed is we couldn't fucking find like all of our birth dates in the goddamn. Oh, I know. I mean, that's and what? That's not gonna happen. You had to go and find a person who had your birth date as their death date in uh, any uh. any. Uh, uh, cemetery in town and like the hard part was is it was blisteringly hot and then so we're walking around and it's like that could take five minutes that could take four hours like ten yeah, hours depending yeah. on who it was so I kept running all these June 1st and June 3rds and I'm like motherfucker <laughs> like Jesus Christ and yeah. we had to give up and go to the scoring party and it was like we, we could have potentially spent six more hours looking for that and everything yeah, you just, wait, I, was, I was arguing I remember yeah. at that time just don't even let's just skip that one but, and that photo too like the Picture what is the cannon eventually was? Oh one yeah, of the cemeteries. Yeah, like, uh, you had to try yeah. and figure out what that was. Yeah, yeah that was nothing doing there. That was pretty. But intense. I, I still love um, stealing the marquee letters. Oh yeah, that was my favorite. Team Laser Dicks. Woo! And, and what, what was the hard one? The Z or the X? <laughs> uh, the well, both. Uh, we found them all except for the one, and then somebody came up with the. I think it was the X later on. I did. Yeah, I was driving down uh, Marriott Avenue, and there was a like a, a hair studio there that oh, just yeah. happened to have an F. I forget what it was. It was like. I guess they ran out of like, uh, it was like, oh, they did Unisex X. salon? No, they did X dash TRA for oh. extra. Oh, nice. And I was like, whoo! Like, yeah, slammed the brakes. We just grabbed it and <laughs> it off. Um, and we returned to the letters later, which oh, I think yeah. was even more hilarious that, that like. Flower shop never knew what hit them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the Roar's flower shop downtown, so they had a stack of their letters on their front stoop the next morning when they woke up. And I was like, what is this all about? But, uh, you know, we were legit. We returned the stuff that we stole. Yeah, uh, we, were, we were good champions, yeah. Crushed it. Yeah. Nothing beats Straub's face though when we showed up with uh, both Janine's and yours yeah, hair. Like eight pounds of human hair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just like face just growing redder and redder. Uh, oh, wait, what did he have to do? I forget. I mean, what, why? I remember you had, you had, the person that showed up with the most amount and weight of human hair yeah. got the points. And they showed up with like a relatively big bag of hair because I forget somebody had cut their hair. Well, so at the time, uh, Straub was dating Jackie yeah. and her good friend, Drea, the oh, queen yeah. of oh, sucking yeah. all joy out of a party, <laughs> was there. And she had uh, like cut off her slightly longer than shoulder length hair down to like a boy cut in order to yeah. win the thing. And they walked in. Well, he was so cocky. Flying on like cloud nine about how they had crushed it. And then they saw the massive pile of hair that Janine and I had when I had... Long hair for me, yeah. and she yeah. had, but she took off like two inches, and I probably took off two inches, and we had way more than like the four or five inches that Drea took off. And when uh, Chuck, who was judging, goes, "It's a lot of fucking hair," it's <laughs> <laughs> like, "Boom, we got that one." Yeah. And then Dre decided not to be polite or pleasant for the rest of the evening, yep. which sucked. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was bad. I felt a little bad for Straub because I enjoy his company greatly, and uh, his girlfriend and uh, her friends who were on his team definitely. Uh, um, did not embrace the enthusiasm of the event as much as the rest of us, and and well, that's I, a sacrifice I, when you cut that much hair off in one person, and it's like, no, I didn't just get a haircut; I got a haircut for a scavenger hunt, and it wasn't worth the point. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I felt bad, and so we cleaned up, and uh, yeah, I, I Stride was a little, a little, a little miffed. Okay. <laughs> well, and in part because they were like bitching about how the one of the events was you need to get your picture crashing a wedding a funeral or a church service oh, yeah, or whatever yeah. and they were like so mad that, that was offensive or whatever and I was like plenty of teams popped in the back of like a wedding reception and we're just like snap where nobody in the wedding actually noticed and then they ran out the door it wasn't yeah. like it was a big deal um, you know it wasn't like we were stealing or anything you know yeah. advocating any sort of criminality I did enjoy what was that thing that we did the um, group like uh, video shoot where we sing that song 
I just, the barbershop uh, quartet oh, thing? Yeah. Well, I just remember like I was on top of a piano, like straddling oh, it in a dress yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really know anybody at the time either, so I was really just kind of putting it all out there. It's good. It's good. Yeah, that's how you. That's how you win friends and influence people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just put it all out there. Yeah. yeah. Good times. Good times. We need to have like a beer scavenger hunt. I feel like that needs to be a well, thing. That's, that's kind of what the find the penguin was. That's that's how I viewed it. Just. Well, I feel like every team needs to come up with ten beers that they know at the time you can find in town. And then it, you exchange those with the other teams, and then the people who on the team can have photographic evidence of drinking the most beers within like a twenty-four hour period. Yeah, that's kind of neat. It's, it's it sounds like it's, it would be expensive, but because you need to know. Yeah, true. But we spend enough on beer as a team. But you need to know, like, a you need to know what is on tap around town. Period. Yeah. And then, um, then you have to be able to figure it out if somebody says that, or like, do you have rare stuff in your basement that you know you've been holding on to that oh. you can solve you, you certain things? You could put on like or... super shitty stuff that you can only find at like say Country Garden. Yeah, like that weird Kilata beer that I never bought but should. Well, and then there's there's uh, the um, the Hamilton Club has their special beer that's on tap oh, every now yeah. and again. Um, Five Fifty One West has their own special beer that's being brewed by Springhouse. Um, and Quips now, I think, has the Wacker. So you would have to know that yeah. kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, that'd be actually a pretty interesting game to play with. Good beer knowledge of downtown Lancaster. And you figure then, like the dive small, the small dive bars wouldn't have anything unique though. Uh, well, but that's the um, thing. Unless... That's when you go shitty and like. Weird, unique. Like, does Shamrock really have something that no one else does? Three months, three or four months ago, I was up in uh, Ephrata, and the woman goes, well, we have a couple bottles left of Nugget Nectar, which was still Uh, kind of delicious, but not quite as good because it had been sitting around for a while. But you, if if you're like, well, and they weren't a shitty place, but if you figure they're not a big beer place, they could have a bottle that clearly should not be on the shelves anymore. Dirty Old Tavern at Cardigan Christmas, I'm sure, had some stuff in their coolers. I was like, "Mm, that's going to be old because that hasn't hasn't (laughs) been around for a while. (laughs) So that's sort of the genius of it is, can you, you know, like sweet talk some of the owners into saying, what do you got that's just been sitting around for a while that I could put in the list? That sounds like cheating because I know the chameleon has things that have been sitting there for like at least when I was there. Well, that, uh, I mean, those those coolers are really deep, and they don't I get bet. to the bottom. <laughs> well, that weird Western rodeo room has still like bottles up on the oh shelf, yeah, dusty yeah, bottles on the shelves. Yeah, so. and they have not been opened. <laughs> they haven't made that beer in years. Not, not since all those people went blind. Or, isn't that a Simpsons joke? <laughs> Decades, yeah. yeah. I mean, they get super reliable now, but <laughs> oh my god, they have three cases of CBS that hasn't been seen in ten years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oh, I just had a sip of your beer. There is that weird flavor in it. Wait, my beer? My yeah, person? The, like the celery beer? Yeah. No, no, no. The, uh, the beer versus the beer one. Beer. Oh, yeah. No, that was a terrible beer. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was terrible. But when I yeah. compared it with the sushi, I thought no, it was I'm disappointed better. because actually, like, that was the one, like, it wasn't on the shelf. And he was like, uh, I think we still have some of that somewhere. And he, like, dug it out. And it was like, you know, it looked really fancy. And I was like, oh, this must be a good one. Aged in sake cast. I can't lose. And then that didn't care for that at all. This uh, ginger beer, though, great. This gets a little better as it warms, but um, um, yeah, the ginger beer actually is very light and refreshing. I'm very pleased with it, having not had it before, so it's good stuff. Well, that's it for today's show. We hope you enjoyed our look across the Pacific to our, well, what used to be our electronic overlords, but now I guess that's China, not the Japanese. So um, I guess if it's a good enough place for Sean Connery to uh, to live in that one movie, um, it's good enough for us. It was a... Oh wait, Michael was, Crichton book or something, was right? Was he like doing like a, a uh, fighter? Timeline, punch someone or something? Oh well, no, he was in it with Wesley Snipes. I think it was, yeah, yeah. It was um, what was it Rising Sun? I think. Yeah, Rising Sun is what it's called. Um, wait, wait, yeah. Sean Connery and Wesley Snipes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, <laughs> why Cereal haven't Sunday. I seen that movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
It's a it's sort of like a corporate thriller. It's an interesting kind of combination of things. But anyway, yes, it's a guy with a thick uh, what Scottish Sc- accent, Scottish um, trying to speak Japanese, which is really, <laughs> oh really, God. really hilarious. I mean, not all the time, but at, at moments he's Domo Arigato. <laughs> did he really try? Because when he did Hunt for Red October, he was not doing oh, Russian no, accent he doesn't at all. Do accents, he was no. talking like Sean Connery. <laughs> Who's the cock in the walk now? <laughs> <laughs> You're the man now, Sam Neill. I'll start a new religion. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant. <laughs> So join us next week for our next sample episode. I'm not sure we have a plan yet, but we'll come up with something awesome. Uh, as usual, thanks for listening and keep on drinking. <laughs> That's today's show. For more information on today's podcast or to subscribe to the show, visit www.blindtigerpodcast.com or look for us on iTunes. Send comments or questions to show at blindtigerpodcast.com. To suggest or request a beer for beer versus beer, or to ask a question for Homebrew 101, email show at blindtigerpodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and keep drinking. Tim Burton, not to be outdone in creepiness, um, came up with his own version of this, and it was kind of his as a little bit more playful. Stick Boy and Match Girl in love. Stick Boy liked Match Girl. He liked her a lot. He liked her cute finger. He thought she was hot. Yeah. But could a flame ever burn for a match in a stick? It did quite literally. He burned up pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs>